Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. We got a great pod for you. Um, Johnny D, I swear that's his name. It's not a radio name. It's not a pseudonym. It's his name. Johnny D, who starred at the University of San Diego. And here's something interesting. He was actually a recruited walk-on who was given a scholarship. He was playing for Billy Greer, who, if you remember his first season, Johnny's first season, they were under FBI investigation for point shaving. What was that like? All part of this podcast. You're going to love it. He's also a guy who took a year off professional basketball because he thought it might be over. And now he's, I think, in his third or fourth year playing in Spain uh, in the second division, and he's made himself a great career. Plus, met his wife during covid Find out about how they met and what it's like adjusting to married life, being a professional basketball player, playing overseas. Now he plays for Estudiantes. Man, this is it's it's a really good pod. You're going to love it. Um, the the one thing I would get to is this. This is the hard part in a Kyrie Irving. He's so talented, and he was a guy who brought Kevin Durant to Brooklyn. He is a guy who I think a lot of people wonder: Did he love basketball? And when coaches say that, when scouts say that, people get really offended. But there's a reality to it, right? You're going to have to love this game because there are going to be things you have to do that you don't want to do. Some of it is get up early to train. 
have a limited off season. You have to watch what you eat. You can't go out all the time. You got to be a good teammate. You got to watch film. You got to get shots up. You got to work on your body. You got to get to, you got to, you got to stretch at a, at a very, very hard rate, right? Um, you have to play within some sort of scheme and system at both ends of the floor. Like these are things you have to do. And right now to play in the NBA, you got to be vaccinated. I, I don't see there, I, I don't see it as any sort of debate or discussion. I, I don't care about your political affiliation or what you want to say. Like we're, we've all been inoculated or vaccinated to go to college, frankly, to play youth sports. We've all had things that we've done that we don't want to do. There have been no records of anyone in the NBA suffering any sort of debilitating uh, side effects from being vaccinated. He is of prime health. And so whether or not he needs it or doesn't need it, it's more about the global community. I'm, I can't, I'm not going to argue with you. If, if you want to have an argument or a debate about it, feel free, knock yourself out. You can, you can tweet at me. My point is that, look, the NBA and most of society has decided, hey, you want to travel around the country? You want to be in these arenas? You're going to have to get vaccinated. Otherwise, we're going to make life hellish for you. So just get the shot. The problem with Kyrie is, I do believe that if he was traded to a team, he wouldn't want to play. He wouldn't show up. So there is no real acquiescing to him. These are mandates that are made by cities and by other officials. He simply has to do it. And I don't even know how you trade him because he will shut it down. And there's always been that discussion because if you truly love basketball, it doesn't make it about the money. It makes it about the team, the teammates, the accomplishments, the games. And Kyrie just isn't that guy. Kevin Rant's a guy that's going to play basketball. Does he make a lot of money doing it? Yes. Is he competitive and wants to win? Yes. But at the end of the day, that guy's a hooper. He loves basketball. And I think... I think Kyrie, I, I mean, you don't get that good unless there is a level of love or like for it, but letting it go on this far, it just shows guys where your priorities at. And, and it feels like he's a guy who makes a point just to say he can make a point, even if no one really agrees with the point. Like had Kyrie not been so anti-establishment in well, pretty much everything else in his career, his Argument against vaccines might have more validity. I don't think it does, but that's okay. Ky Kyrie being kind of the last of the Mohicans, this big anti-vaxxer, that's the least surprising thing ever. The question is, what do the Nets do, right? Do they, do they not pay him? Do they shun him? I don't know how you trade him because he is the type of guy that would quit on whomever he goes to just, again, to make a point. What a mess that is. What a mess. All right, let's get you to our interview in this pod. He was a tremendous player at the University of San Diego. Uh, you'll, you'll hear about his mercurial career that's led him to be in a really solid pro in Spain. Here's my catch up with Johnny D. Um, thanks so much for joining me. Okay, so where are you at this very moment? I'm in Madrid, Spain, um, getting ready to start the season. Okay, so what's, uh, what's the apartment set up like? like? You know how to walk me through it and do cribs and all. <laughs> the basic apartment set, set up that you because everybody thinks, oh, he's a pro, he's playing in Spain. You know, we have different visions for what being it being a professional athlete, a guy who's been been there for a while, is uh, what yeah. what their their spots like. Like, what's the what's the apartment setup? I like mine. I have I can show you real quick just from here. I got like a living room, 
kitchen and then one bedroom back here. And then I got this strange staircase here with a little attic that is a, another bedroom. So two bedroom is about as max as you're going to get, at least in a big city like Madrid. Um, not a ton of space for my wife and I, she's not here right now, but, um, it depends on the club. You're hundred percent right. I've been in some tough situations where it was a studio. This is the size of just one room. And I've been in better cities like this one where I actually really do enjoy the, the apartment. What does she do during the day? Um, right now she teaches a class online at, uh, at the university she went to as well as does some clinic kit, does, uh, some work as an occupational therapist online as well. It's pretty cool. She's teaching a class in America while she's in Madrid. Yeah, no, isn't that weird? They, they, they gave her a pretty good setup. So, uh, we're grateful for that. Um, okay. Let, let's go back. When you were a kid, you're growing up, um, you were on, you were shortstop on the little league. World yeah. Series, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So that's 12 years old sixth mm -hmm. grade. How vivid are your memories of that? Oh, I remember that. I talk about it with my best friend, not all the time, cause that's a little weird, but like we, every once in a while bring up kind of the glory days of playing baseball and uh, just the experience of being a Williamsport having, I don't know, 30,000 people watching you. We played in the U S championship, having family members coming out and flying and talking about watching you on ABC. Um, and to be honest, we still, every once in a while, someone will come up to us or remember just the experience and kind of how it, for us, we went a little smaller city in San Diego. Uh, it was kind of a big deal. So definitely have memories that, uh, um, very near and dear. So your best friend was on that team. Yeah. I had a couple of really good friends. I'm still close to who's that. Who are, who are they? Da uh, Daniel Gibney. He's in the Navy now. And then, uh, my buddy, Danny Vivier, um, they were both in my wedding, um, this past summer. So stayed in touch and kind of fun to have those memories. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. Where did you hit in the lineup? I hit um, sixth in the Little League World Series. And I think the tournament before I hit first or the two tournaments before I was hitting first, I got demoted at some point, but it's funny in basketball, I'm more of an offensive player, but in baseball, I was a much better defensive player. Well, so you're, you're struggling a little bit with the stick. So they moved you from first. Yeah, to I wasn't, I, I really was, I think, I think I batted like, in the three hundreds or four hundreds in the world series, but I don't think I had anything more than single. So not a lot of power out of my bat. In terms of pressure, what's that like at that age to play in front of that? Like that is a dramatic <sighs> jump in pressure. For sure. I don't even know if I like recognized the pressure though, because from a 12 year old's brain, you're just playing baseball with your best friends. Um, we had played together since we were like, I want to say eight or nine years old. We were like a travel ball team. And then we all made the all-star team in our little league. And we just like, we honestly believed we were going to the league world series. So it just felt like it was destiny. Um, I remember losing and that kind of felt like it was a crushing into our, what we thought was like a destined story for championship. Um, but from a pressure standpoint, it was just like, I felt more pressure playing overseas than I did as a 12 year old playing for a world championship. Well, uh, who'd you lose to? Uh, Hawaii. And they're always stacked. Yeah. Always they stacked. had, uh, they had some kids. Yeah. That's bad. Birth certificate check. We need a birth certificate. Yeah, well, I, I don't like saying that, but uh, my, my grandma actually lived in the city where those kids were. And so uh, when they beat us, I was like, you got to go make sure they all live in that city. And she was like, they do, they do, they do. Funny. Um, okay. So why happy, why part of your high school did you spend in Kansas city? My dad took a job with the fellowship of Christian athletes and their headquarters in Kansas city. Um, 
he took like a kind of more executive position. And so he needed to be there. Um, and honestly, I was excited for the challenge. So we moved out there for a year, didn't work out for the family. It just wasn't a great fit. And so my dad then basically worked remotely for the next five years and we moved back to California. I got to go spend my senior year back in California. So, but what, what's that, what's that like? You know, like, again, everybody likes an adventure until they're in the middle of the adventure. What do you remember about, uh, going to high school in Overland park and, and, and spending some time in that kind of hoop culture? Um, I loved the hoop culture. I mean, I got to go to a KUK state game on senior night for strong Collins. So, I mean, that, that was a basketball experience. I'll never forget. Um, I love the way that they just valued sports. I met my best friend who was my, one of my best friends who was my best man at my wedding out there. And I had a coach man who was, who was like a Bobby Knight disciple. Um, but really taught me, um, I think how to buy into a team and, um, how to be more than just an offensive basketball player and how to score in, in different ways as well. So I was grateful for the experience. I will say, I think the whole no shot clock thing in high school is, is stupid and they should get rid of that. Um, but in some ways, I don't know, maybe it helped me improve in other areas. Um, you guys so I had a good experience. The ball? No, no joke. Like we played, I don't know if you remember the name Trevor Relaford, um, but he played for Bishop Miege in our league and he played at Alabama. And I remember when there was a minute left in the clock, we didn't want him to touch the ball. We would hold the ball for an entire minute just to, to run out the quarter. And I was just like, that is, this is not basketball. Like we shouldn't play scared. Like let's, let's be aggressive and attack, but that's just kind of the way that they play. And you had some low scoring games. I mean, like in the thirties, which is just completely opposite of kind of West coast culture. Who was the uh, Bobby Knight disciple type of coach? Donnie Campbell. He was a fantastic coach, a man that I really respected. Um, coached a lot of really good players as well. And actually found out that the Ted Lasso character uh, he coached Jason Sudeikis back in the day. So um, apparently Jason Sudeikis got a lot of like inspiration from him. So kind of a small world there. But, but Ted Lasso is like super positive. So I know, I know. And, and, and Donnie Gamble was positive, but he would, he would also chew you out if you, you were in a wrong position on defense. So, but I think it's more of just kind of a weird one liners because he had a bunch of those. Are you a Ted Lasso guy? Like you, you wait, do you guys Jones for the next episode? Like, Oh, it's Absolutely. Not my wife loves it. My wife loves it. Yeah. She's a big soccer, soccer gal. So, um, we've really enjoyed that show. Um, okay. So you move back to San Diego and you're hooping. Now, part of it is you come from an unbelievable kind of sports family. Your mom was an athlete. Your dad was a football player. Your grandpa was a basketball player. Right. So, um, did you give up baseball before high school? You know, like, yeah. You, you, like, what was your, what, what was sports like when you moved back to San Diego? Um, I actually gave it up right after the League World Series, to be honest. I think I played like one more season of Pony or whatever the next level is up. What a like, letdown, right? What a yeah, letdown. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. That, because that, I was honestly, at the pinnacle. Like, yeah, like, like I'll, tell, I'll tell you parenting. So my son is, is 12, uh, but he, he was kind of fried on baseball, so he didn't do it in the spring. He wants to go back to doing it now. He's good. Um, but I would guess 70 75% of baseball players, you know, cause what they do for pony ball is pony ball. They go and play in Williams, uh, in, um, where's the baseball hall of fame. Why am I forgetting? Anyway, Nebraska or Omaha? No, no, no. It's in, um, upstate New York in okay. Oh, Cooperstown, Cooperstown. They go to Cooperstown, but like all those kids will be like, I'm done. That's good. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is the opposite. Like the whole idea is to keep building, but I mean, what a letdown it must have been. You get done play playing the Little League World Series, like now you're playing pony ball at some playing pony ball and nobody's watching. Nobody cares. And you're playing like field. three games a day. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's, yeah. just, and it's just a long sport. Like, I mean, cause there's no time. So like you, you can oh. get into a game. that's just a bore fest and you're sitting out there at shortstop or wherever you're playing. And maybe you don't have a ball hit to you all day. And it's just like, I needed a little more action. And I loved basketball. My grandfather played, my dad played in the NFL, but he would tell you his favorite sports basketball. Um, so I just wanted to vote everything to it. And I knew in, in California, it was a competitive environment um, in terms of basketball. I just feel like there's a lot of good players. I'm like, if I'm going to make it to the division one level, I probably have to devote all of my time to improving there and, and, and making that dream a reality. Okay. So uh, who are you playing with in AU? I play with game point. Um, it's funny. I actually remember your, your dad had branch West, right? Yeah. I remember, I remember almost joining them for, for a period of time, but it just made most sense for me to stay local in San Diego with practices and everything. And uh, my AU coach, Charlie was, a mentor to me who helped me a ton um, and invested a lot in me. So I play with a, a club out of San Diego. Yeah. I, I, I actually started branch West back up. So now we have like 11s to 14. Oh, really? We're not yet diving okay. in the high school, high school pool just yet. Um, okay. So, so uh, you're playing and San Diego is going through this. And, and I think people have forgotten like a legit point shaving sc- scandal. Billy Greer gets yep. there. They do great. Right. He gets this huge contract extension mm-hmm. and they're going through some point shaving scandal. Yeah. Um, and San Diego is a cool place, but you didn't, you were a walk on there. Did you have scholarship offers el- elsewhere? I had one, one scholarship offer to Portland state. Um, and then I guess I had like 75% to, to point Loma, which was NAI at the time. Biola, I think Azusa like didn't want to offer me. Um, I was looking at, honestly, I was looking at Christian schools, like in the NAI, uh, I forget what that league used to be called. It was pretty good. Um, yeah. But my dream was always division one. So, um, yeah. So, so what's the conversation like with your parents about paying full tuition? at yeah. San Diego? Um, the conversation was, it was a weird process having moved to Kansas and back. And so just trying to figure out where I was supposed to go and, and hoping that someone would come in with a late offer, which Portland state did took my visit and I hated it. And I told my parents that I didn't like hate it, hate it, but I just was like, this doesn't feel like the right. right. I feel like it wasn't the commuter school, right? Yeah. It was a commuter school. school. 100% the reason why I didn't like it. I just felt like if I went there, it wouldn't be the college experience I was kind of hoping for. And I don't know if you know, basketball dude, right. And, you're like, and they didn't have the gym yet. Like, they played in like a high school gym. And I yes. was just like, man, this looks brutal. Um, and I don't know if you know who Mike Burns is. Who, he's now coaching at, at Boise. Um, he is, he is an incredible recruiter. And I just developed a really strong relationship with him. And he believed in me probably more than I maybe even believed in myself. And he told me, he's like, you're going to come here and you're going to start for us. And you're going to average 12 points a game. I said, well, first of all, I got to get like an offer from the head coach and, and, and all that before we can start talking about all that. And he's like, look, I'm just telling you, you're going to come here and you're going to play and have a great career. And so I remember taking my visit as an unofficial or whatever, cause I was, they didn't have any scholarship offers. And I just, with my dad and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I just felt like a, a spiritual nudge of like, you're going to go here. Um, and so I told my parents that and they, they respected that decision because they know I've been praying and, and hoping and working really hard, um, for some type of opportunity. And so they, they like supported that decision 100%. And ironically, um, I didn't end up having to pay because, or didn't end up having to walk on because like, I would say two months after I committed as a walk-on, one of their guys didn't show up to summer school. Like he couldn't decide to want to come back. So they just gave me that 
that kid's scholarship right away. So you get there, Billy's your coach, team bottomed out the year before, right? It was a mess. Uh, Six and 24 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. What was it like? What was, what was that first year like? First year was weird just because we had all the FBI meetings and all that stuff with, you know, we go listen to the wiretaps with Brandon Johnson talking about don't turn the ball over against LMU. And only like, it was just so interesting for me just being in this kind of like weird situation where you're kind of learning a dark side of sports and gambling and all that. Um, but I, I met some really great incoming freshman, Chris Anderson, Orange County guy. Um, Nick Kerr was my roommate. And, and we just kind of went in there, we went to work and tried to change the culture as best as possible. Um, and thankfully because of the, I guess, bad record and what was going on before then, they had some opportunities for young guys to come in and play. And I feel like Chris and I took advantage of that. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What? Uh, okay, so so they're going through this wiretap. So that that was their deal. They would just turn the ball over at an opportune time. Can I tell you, Jay points? It was one guy. It was one guy, and it's wild because like, he was making, like, I think, one grand or two grand a game off of, like, this stuff. And I think the guys that, like, 
that he was working for were like making close to like 80 or a hundred a game. So it's just like, I kind of felt like I don't feel bad for the guy, but it's just like, man, you're doing, you changed your whole life, messed up your whole life for a grant. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just wild stuff and to see like kind of how he got taken advantage of, but also he made the same mistakes or he made the mistakes, but yeah, it was just really an interesting environment to walk into because like coach career, I think, but what, six months before I got there had woken up to FBI agents at his door, like, you know, explaining him the situation and then questioning him, like if he had any involvement or anything like that. So it was kind of a weird thing to walk into. What was Billy like to play for? I like playing for him. I mean, he, he gave me an opportunity from day one. Um, um, I thought his strength as a coach was, was defense. I, I mean, I've told him this, I wish we played a little faster on offense because I thought we had the fastest point guard in the league for four years. Um, but I thought defensive schemes and um, things like that, he was fantastic with as well as, you know, he, he gave me an opportunity. And so that's a guy that I'll always support and, um, and, you know, be grateful for. Uh, you, you mentioned Nick, Nick Kerr. Uh, what was that like? What, what was, what was he like to, to be around? Awesome. I mean, he, he was, he's a guy I actually kind of felt bad for because he worked so hard and he was an incredible shooter. We played the same position and I guess I, I was a little bit better off the ball, uh, scoring off the ball. And he was probably a better shooter than I was. Um, but coach had a hard time putting us both in the game together because we both weren't, you know, strong defensive players. Um, and I think we could have made it work. Um, but he wasn't a guy who got a lot of like opportunity because I, I think in some ways I took some of that from him, but no, one of my closest friends and, um, Dude was an incredible shooter. So, so what is basketball life at the University of San Diego? So, for people who don't know, the school is up on a hill, kind of overlooks Mission Bay, which is beautiful. Mission beautiful. Bay is where kind of all the bars and the hangout stuff are, but it's a private Christian school. Um, so, like, what is what is life like in terms of where you live, how you hang? Um, you know, obviously things changed for the better when they built the Slim Gym, but it still wasn't, didn't feel like it was a happening people showing up at, at the games. So what was, what was that a college experience like? It's tough. Um, from a basketball and sports standpoint, it doesn't have a lot of, uh, what's the word school spirit, I guess you could say, like I mean, yeah. there ain't a lot of, a lot of love for that. So, and we have a fantastic volleyball team. So, I mean, every once in a while they'll have a game against a top 25 team where the gym's popping. And when Gonzaga plays at home, when we play Gonzaga or St. Mary's, um, or San Diego state, like that's always a fun game. Um, but uh, not a ton of support, obviously some, some alumni and whatnot, but you just don't get a lot of the, I guess, city support. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, I grew up in a city. So like my parents came to every single home game, family members, friends of family, uh, high school friends that were in winter break and all that, um, would come to games. So I felt like for me, I had multiple people I wanted to be at the game at the game, but from a student standpoint, not a lot, not a lot happening. I think people know you're on the basketball team, but, and some people respect that, but a lot of people are there because San Diego is an amazing city. You're right. Most of the kids actually live in PB or mission beach on these beach houses. And then the bar scene over there's where they spend a lot of time. So, um, you can't really blame them for not wanting to come back to campus off hours, but you kind of wish they did because San Diego state figured it out. Um, but they also had a lot more success. Yeah, a lot more success. They built the dorms right next to the arena. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and more inland. And, and, and you know, more inland. And also, I mean, like, look, if you would have gone back when I was coming out, like, San Diego State was literally the worst. It was, it would have been the safetyest of safety schools 
hmm. not just in terms of getting in, but in terms of the sport. Like it's, it's a crazy turnaround there. And they used to play yeah. both San Diego and San Diego State used to play in glorified high school gyms, right? Yeah. You guys had the one with the stage. Um, yeah. And, and, but San Diego State Sports Center was, was before they, they didn't play in the sports arena, they played on campus and it was a dump. And occasionally they play in the sports arena and then they built the arena. Uh, but, you know, even the re- early days of the arena was empty. And then they started taking transfers and got better. But it, it really is an amazing kind of turnaround of a program. But they also didn't have a good zag in their league where you're like, okay, who's playing for second? You know, and then you had BYU yeah. and Mary's like, who's playing for fourth? Um, so your game during this time, how much did you feel like you improved? Because you got, you got to play right away. You could play a ton mm-hmm. and you guys didn't win a ton, right? Right. You know, it's hard to win a ton, but how much did you feel like you were improving? I felt like each year I got a little bit better. Um, I think if I could go back and do one thing, I wish I would have learned to be more of a, a point guard type of a player in that college atmosphere in terms of making plays for others. Ever since I was in high school, my role on a team has been to score and score for myself. And so that is something that over here I've had to kind of change because I'm a six foot, not that athletic guard. So if I'm going to want to be on the floor, I got to be more than just scoring. Cause if you're not making shots, you got to figure out a way to uh, be impactful. Um, but I would say my four years, because I got to play, I got to improve in a lot of different ways in terms of how I scored. I think my first year, I literally was catch and shoot. And that's about it. Um, I added a floater. I added kind of scoring out of the pick and roll my junior and senior year um, and being able to kind of make plays and transition and things like that. So um, I, I totally think being able to play helps, helps that development. You get them playing. And what was the conversation with Billy like? What was the conversation with your parents like as far as who you want to have represent you? Uh, coach Greer had some, some guys that he trusted and he gave me, I think it was just a list of two people. Um, and they were great. I actually almost was really close. I was down. My final two was one of the guys coach Greer had and one of my teammates Duda. Um, he was like, was brought over from the Republic of Georgia by this guy who was also really close to Jordan Lolly. Do you know Jay law at all? Yeah. Jordan Lolly, the trainer. Yeah. So Jordan was represented by this guy, um, Daniel, um, and I was working out with Jordan at the time and I just felt like it was a really good connection and I just went with him. So, um, that was also a very interesting process of trying to figure out who to, who to represent me. So your first summer, uh, I know you played what in Croatia was your first, your first gig, uh, but your first summer, like, what, what do you remember about it? I mean, cause I, I tell you, like, I remember thinking you're going to be like, they'll have all these offers and it's, it's, yeah. so, it's a weird process. You know, where there yeah. might be an offer coming from a club. It might be, you know, this a month or that a month. Uh, yeah. what, was, what was it like? What was that summer like? Weird. I think I talked to probably 10 different agents and you probably heard seven different things from the 10 different agents. And so I tried to go with some of the guys that said, you know, something similar to somebody else because they're all trying to sell you and telling you how much you would make out of year one. You'd be making six figures because you were all league for three years or whatever it may be. Um, and that might've been true 15, 20 years ago when there was a ton of money in Europe. Um, but my first summer was very difficult. I played summer league with the warriors, not much run. Um, but got to learn a lot, but like just watching Aaron craft and Jason Randall were two really good guards on that team. Um, and then not signing until late because I just, I don't know. I think European 
teams have a hard time signing a two guard that's six foot and not that athletic. So, which is understandable. Like I, I recognize you're taking a risk, um, but thankfully somebody did. And I played really well for a month and ended up basically finishing out the final seven months of my first year in Poland in their first division, uh, which was a much better experience. And oh, you're, you're, um, you're, you're skipping. I'm taking you there. Taking you. You got it. Oh. So, <laughs> I okay, only spent so, a month in uh, Bosnia. I know. So, so okay, oh, it's Bosnia. Okay. So you go to, you go to Bosnia. What, what time of year was this? September. Okay. No, so, you got, so did you, you got some training camp? You got some friendlies as well? No, I came, I think I got, yeah, I got like one friendly game and then it was season started and I played five games in one month. Um, well, who's the other American? They didn't have another American. I was on an Island until like, I think they brought him in my second to last game there. And I was, by then I was like, look, I told my agent, you got to get me out of here. I'm not lasting a full year here. So, so why? So again, like paint the picture for me, like you land in Bosnia. What do you remember? I remember we actually landed in Croatia because Bosnia doesn't have an airport. So at least not one you can land into because we were too far from Sarajevo. Um, I had a two hour cab ride to the city. I was going to be in Bosnia and I'd landed at like 12 and they wanted me to practice at six o'clock and my bags didn't make it. And I was like, can I get the night off or something? I just flew across the world. Like, are you serious? Like he just wants to see that you, you know, you, you're able to run and you're willing to fight with this club. I said, all right, fine. I'm not going to have a, a bad first impression. So I think they got me like one of my teammates shoes. I just put those on and I had no clothes with me because both my bags were gone. So they had to give me some stuff for that. And I just remember having to practice and he like, let me finish early, but I remember running a ton like that, that coach, like Eastern European coaches, their whole style uh, is cool. you run and practice all day long. I think that's partly why I was like ready to get out of there quick. That's funny. I, I remember I, I landed in Perm, Russia. And I, well, first we went through, um, we went through, I went through Moscow. And like the process then, I don't know if it's different now, was I was in, I was playing for a team in Salina, Kansas. And then I had to drive to Oklahoma. I had to drop my wife off in, at her folks' place, gather up all my, we gather up all our crap. Then I fly to New York City, but I got all this crap. Like I got like two big bags of stuff, but I got to stop at the consulate to get a visa. Yeah. So like you land, you spend the whole day, you know, you're kind of like walking around New York City, whatever, you check your bags through. Then I go back to the airport. Then you fly overnight, you land in Moscow. It's nighttime. You come out, you're looking all wrecked. There's yeah. a guy with a sign that's written in Russian, but it has a basketball. You're like, I guess that's me. <laughs> I think so. He he picks me up. He he. I get in the car. Of course, he's smoking. And you're like, oh, yeah. God, the worst. But the window's up. Um, it's cold outside because I didn't get there till January because I did the whole, I, I was CBA and I got cut and I was IBA. It's crazy. Um, but I remember like waking up and seeing Red Square. I'm like, oh, Red Square. Like, passing back out. And then going to some meal where the guy ordered me food. It was terrible. But like, I'm like, okay. I didn't know anything. But anyway, so then, I, then you fly overnight again. Like, I don't know what day it is. I don't, I don't know anything, right? Like consider you have two overnight flights in a row. That's what happened. I landed at night in Moscow. The guy takes me to some other airport. We stopped to eat along the way. 
And then we go, we got to fly to Perm, which is like a couple hour flight, but you're, the time zones are changing. So you land, it's like 5.30 in the morning. So you're like, I don't even know what day it is. So they pick you up again. They, they had a translator, but she, you know, it was broken English. Put your bag and you get in like a van that has the same basketball logo. You're like, okay, it kind of all makes sense. And then they're like, we pick you up for practice at 10 o'clock. We're like, dude, it's like six in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And then you get there. And when I got there, the team wasn't there. I was like, what the fuck? They're like, oh, they, 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 they play nights in Yucatarianburg. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got the day out. Like, no, you must have practiced. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this coach, the assistant coach is a Lithuanian, and he was hardcore, hardcore. You make, you make 10 three-pointers. And I'm like, shot a three, and I'm like watching the ball bounce, and like just me and him in this gym. I'm like, yo, can you, you know, <laughs> go back to brother out? <laughs> He's like, no. He like looks at his watch. He's like, make 10 three points. So I did an hour in the gym of different drills and basically, and they're actually really good in terms of ways to pick up your intensity. But like, you're going half court, shoot a three, go get it, shoot a three, go get it, shoot a three, go yeah. get it till you make 10, see how long it takes you, and then get some water, do it again, try and get a better time. Then you're doing full court kind of same thing, like transition jump shots or coming off a ball screen or whatever, like all these things. But he, there's another guy in the gym, but he's actually never <laughs> touching the basketball. He's just recording how many times, not even writing it down, like how many he makes and looking at his watch. That's it. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. Which, um, coming from the college, point. the college environment is way different. You got people rebounding for you all the time. Yeah, the only place it wasn't like that. I, my first year, I played Notre Dame for John McLeod. And he had a rule that if you were shooting in his gym, you had to have somebody keeping stats. So when you walk into practice, and this was before the days of the shot tracker stuff, right? When you walked into practice, you had your shot chart up so everybody could see how many you took, how many you made from the, from the practice, from any workout, anything you did, it would be up there. And it would show you that way you knew like, this is my shot. This is where I shoot well from, yeah. or this is who's been working. But like, I remember I would be out there shooting, working with a manager and he, they would come and yell at the managers. Like, no, you, you either need two managers or you need to feed yourself. And that guy, the manager keeps stats. Like that was that important. To them. So wow. yes, it's, it's a different, it's a different deal. Okay. So you're in, um, you're in this foreign country. And you had one friendly game, and now you play. Do you remember who your first game was against the professional? Yeah, it was a road game. I don't remember the team name, but I remember just being like, "All right, let's go." Like, was it? Were there people in the, in the in the gym in the arena? How big was the arena? No, it was a tiny arena. I like playing in Bosnia. I don't think many of those clubs had like big arenas. Um, I know they did back back in the day, like a couple clubs, but. I remember it being a tiny gym. I remember walking in and like, there was a ping pong tournament going on, like on the first floor. I was just like, okay, this is like a multi-purpose facility. All good. And, um, I remember like, to be honest, I felt like I was the best player in that team by far, but he had this weird, like, I'm not going to give you minutes or the starting position until you earn it. And so I remember like trying to battle that kind of mental, um, grind, if you will, the first few games. 
um, okay, so you 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 made it five games, and you're like, I'm out. And then yeah, did what was what was the final exit like? Terrible. They were mad. So they they signed me to a one month deal, and they said we will renew it or we can renew it or renegotiate after a month, depending on how it goes. So to me, that was like, all right, you guys don't actually think I'm good enough to be here for a full year because I'm a rookie. So you're, you're not willing to commit. So fine. I'll come out there for a month, hopefully play well and, and get out of here. Um, which is exactly what happened. Um, so I remember telling my agent, like, you got to find me another job. Cause I, I did start playing really well and I was getting like 17 minutes a game and we were winning. Um, and he found me a job in Poland. So I remember telling the coach and he was not happy. The GM was not happy so much so that they didn't pay me my first month's salary and refused to like, give me a cab to the, uh, the airport. So I had to wait. So you played, get my, you never got any money. Not in Bosnia. You played for free. Played for free. Um, <laughs> and then I had to pay for my own taxi, which was like 200 bucks to get two hours away to Croatia. So I could get to Poland. What team in Poland? Uh, Polforma, which I don't even know if they're called that anymore. They might have changed their name because, you know, sponsors change everything. Yeah. So um, now you're like, I just played for a month and I didn't make any money. Mm -hmm. This is the weirdest shit ever. Um, ever. Where'd you fly to in Poland? Gdańsk. Pretty, pretty great city. I did have a good time because um, there's three cities over there. It's close to the beach. So flew into Gdańsk, but then realized I wasn't in Gdańsk. I was an hour South of that in a city of like 20,000 people. What was it called? Starogard or something like Starogard Gdinska or something. Um, okay. So what was that experience like? So you, 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 you have some pro experience now, mm -hmm. still a rookie. What mm -hmm. was, what was that, that team like in that experience? Like it was interesting. Cause I came in, they just fired a guy cause they were 0 and 4. Um, they needed some scoring coach didn't speak, speak a lick of English. He was kind of like your Russian guy where he'd come in the gym and it wasn't a lot of coaching. He just kind of sit on the sideline, would have his assistant tell us what to do. And he'd watch yell occasionally loved playing three on three full court. Um, had some Americans on that team, which was nice, but the age gap was pretty big. Like one was 37, one was 36. Um, who were they? And then a guy named Mike Hicks, who actually is now a Polish citizen because he's been out there so long, and a guy named Damian Kenlock, who was just some D2 guy who made a career overseas for 20 years, 15 years. Old heads. Old, old heads. Old, old heads. What was, the, what was the living setup like there in Poland? They basically put me in the apartment that the guy before had, and it was a studio. And it wasn't a bed. It was like a futon. So it was a couch bed. Um, had a TV. Didn't have an oven, had a microwave, had the worst shower I'd ever <laughs> had to shower in. Water was barely warm. Um, but I, I don't know, I guess just make the most of it. And had a couple visitors that year that helped me get through it. But it was, it was not a, like a enjoyable experience. or like, you know, the beautiful European experience that I think a lot of people think you have when you come over here. So, um, you, uh, what did you, what, where'd you go eat? Like, obviously you got a microwave, you're not just microwaving stuff. No. Um, did you have, I could cook at that time. You so, or what? Huh? I, I didn't cook then. Like I was not a cook at all. So I wouldn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, so I would eat out a bunch. They had some like cool little Italian spots. Um, 
Polish people love like soups and potatoes and um, chicken. So I'd, I'd find some meals like that. And I will say this, if there's a really nice part about Poland is like, everything's so cheap because they don't, they're not on the Euro, they're on the Zlote. And it was like $1 for Zlote. So I was eating meals for like three bucks. So that was kind of nice. Um, how'd you do that here? I did all right. Um, I think I was in that kind of transition of trying to figure out, you know, you're playing for money, like you're not playing for money, but you're getting paid now. So there's a added pressure. Um, there's a responsibility there that the club like expects out of you. And on that team, it was, you started no and four. So now the only goal is not to go down and be relegated into the second division. Um, and Poland has this weird rule where you have to have two Polish players on the floor at all times. Yeah. So, some games, like depending on the matchups or depending on foul trouble, like I would get less minutes because we needed one. Like if our Polish big was in trouble, then the American big had to be on the floor and that would essentially take me off the floor um, in certain situations. And there, there aren't a lot of great Polish players, especially the lower you get down into that league because a good one signed either outside of Poland or on the top Polish teams. Um, so that was an interesting component. I would say my agent and I, like the way we tried to negotiate the following year was that I had 16 to 18 good games and then eight not so good games. Um, and it was kind of that up and down trying to figure out a rhythm and how to play in a professional system and all that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Yeah, it's, it's the, the having a guy on the floor. When I was in Israel, there wasn't a rule, but there was like an unwritten rule. Like, hmm. there's another point guard. He was Israeli. Nobody else yeah. who played was really Israeli. Like, there's somebody who's going to play. It's going to be him. And I remember people mm-hmm. telling me that, like, oh, Guy Contour's in your team? Oh, he's going to play. I'm like, yeah, but I'm better than him. Like, doesn't matter who's going to play. And I, we would come in the locker room at halftime, and the conversation was always in English, and suddenly it was in Hebrew. And there was yelling and screaming. And then I didn't know it. Like, we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and then we come out of the second half, and suddenly I wasn't playing as much. I'm like, okay. I think I know what was being discussed there. This um, guy's going to play. Yeah, this guy. This guy's gonna get some. Guy's gonna get some run. Uh, okay, so what next? What was the next stop? So I told my agent they offered me the same contract to come back another year. I told my agent, "Look, I'll come back because like I I want to keep playing. Like I still love basketball, but only if it's my only option. <laughs> like if you can give me anything else, I'd rather go anywhere else." And he said, "I'll get you something. Don't worry about that." So we told them no, and I didn't get a deal. So. I basically took an entire year off, um, worked out every day, every morning. Oh, you're, li- you're um, living where? I live with my parents. I was back home for the summer and I was basically just waiting for a job. Um, and it just never came. So I ended up like, you know, working as a substitute teacher, um, was doing DoorDash, was training kids on the side, was, um, just coming up all types of stuff to just, you know, where were you time to make yourself? a little bit of money. Were you, training with, were you training with Jordan? What were you doing yourself? Jordan a little bit. I would say the second year I started to just train it by myself at USD or at LA fitness because he's out in Irvine. I'm in, I'm in Vista, San Diego. So it was a little bit like a 50 minute drive. So, and, uh, I don't mind just, I've never had a big problem rebounding for myself. So I just kind of go do my own thing at an LA fitness and get the work in in the morning. Well, you make them more. So you don't have to chase yeah, them. That helps. That's a big thing. <laughs> Yeah. You make it more, it just always comes to the net and it's got yeah. backspin and it spins back to you. So it's yeah. not really a problem. That, my problem was I missed them too much. So there's a lot more running. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're sitting there and you're like, no, no, I'm a, like, you meet people like, what do you do? Like, oh, I'm a professional basketball player. Like, what do you play for? Like, I don't play for anybody. Right <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. a, it's, a, it's a weird existence. Okay. So when was the next phone call that you got another ch- shot? I was getting phone calls. This was tough. I was, I was getting phone calls or my agent was getting phone calls throughout the year. Like might've been four different times where he told me like, all right, start packing a bag. Cause you might be leaving tomorrow or, Hey, I'm really close to this team between you and another guy. And it seemed like every time it was the other guy. Now looking back on it, he might've been just been feeding me, you know, good information at the time to keep me, you know, somewhat happy, yeah. but it felt like there were some really close calls. In fact, one time I, I drove all the way out to Vegas to work out for a New Zealand coach um, he played point guard at UNLV. So that's why we got to UNLV. Oh, uh, Mark Dickel. Yes. Dickel. He's been on the pod. Great dude. Really? Back in Vegas. This dude put me through a workout and it wrecked me. I mean, it was, this dude's workout was brutal. And I, you have to like, I hadn't played an actual game in six months. So it was like in January, I drove out to Vegas, thought I was working out in the morning. And I couldn't get a hold of him. And then he finally called me back because he, he coached a team in New Zealand. I was just looking for opportunity got us a gym at like eight o'clock at night at UNLV and he just ran me to death, like full court shooting the whole time, one hour. And at the end he's like, look, my team runs. So we're going to put you through a conditioning drill. 
and he put it to a conditioning drill. And I don't think I finished the last set because I was so tired because there's basketball shape. And then there's like, you know, or there's, there's workout shape and then there's real basketball shape. And I wasn't yeah. in real basketball shape. So that was discouraging. Um, and that's when I started thinking, man, maybe I'm done. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be playing. So that's when I started looking into other options. And I was on a golf course in August of the following year. And my agent was like, look, I got a job for you in, in Spain. It's not a lot of money, but it's second division. It's respected league. Uh, they need a guard who can score. And, um, if you want it, it's yours. And I remember just being like, man, I don't know. Like the money's what, terrible. What golf course? Uh, PGA West actually out in Palm Springs. Yeah. Um, who are you with? I was with a group that they played a Ryder cup. Uh, like they do this every year. Uh, they go to Palm Springs and they play three rounds and it's America versus Europe and they can two teams. And it's, it was a blast. Who are the guys? Um, give, me, give me the guys. Uh, there's a, there's a private school out of, out of San Diego called Santa Fe, Santa Fe Christian. Mm-hmm. And most of the guys are from that school. Like they either went there or like there was two basketball coaches, a football coach from there. Um, and a bunch of people that were like alumni from there. So it was just that group of guys. So you hang up and did you ask anybody what they thought? Would you would like, yeah, what was exactly. There? There's this, the head coach for Santa Fe Christian. His name is Chad Bickley. Great dude. He's a shooting coach out of San Diego as well. One of the best shooters I've been around. And I was just talking to him cause he, he loves basketball as well as, we're very similar minded. And he's like, look, man, you've put the work in for a year. It's one year. These jobs and these things that you want to do are going to be here when you come back. If you want to go chase the dream, chase the dream. I was like, yeah, I put in a lot of work the past year and I still love this game. I think I'd like one more chance to just go and plan. I wasn't playing for the money because I wasn't making much money. So it was just like a chance to go enjoy the game for, for what it was and to play at a competitive level that I hadn't you know, played in for over a year. So I said yes, and I think a week later I was on my way to Spain. Where in Spain? Vitoria. What, so what that is that is um, in the northern region, um, in an area called Basque Country. So they actually speak a different dialect, although not so much in that city, but that region in general does. Um, and it's a smaller, smaller city compared to other major Spanish cities. But um, it was nice, kind of an older one. What was food like? I didn't like it. Um, people said it had good food there, but it wasn't my, wasn't my thing. Wasn't really a you're, you're Spain. Everybody says the food's amazing, but I think they speak more like Barcelona is like more with the seafood and stuff. Barcelona, Madrid's been great. I mean, Madrid's got so much like diverse culture and food options that I love it. But um, I was not a fan of some of the smaller cities. So you get there. What's the team like? I got there and we had four players. So it was me point guard from Portland, Alec Wintering, um, and two Spanish guys. And I was like, Oh, and then one other point guard from like George Washington. Um, and I was like, well, we got a lot of guards. I hope we get some bigs and hopefully we got enough guys. Cause the week, the season starts in like two weeks. So we're a little behind here. Um, and they got, we got enough guys when the season started, but it was a interesting first, first day or two. What was the coach like? I loved him. I mean, he was, like, let's play fast. We're obviously not going to be as physical as some of the teams with big budgets or as talented or as deep. So let's just try to run and let's try to score and see if we can outscore them. And we actually, for having, I think we were the second lowest budget team in the league. Um, we were tied for the last playoff spot. We ended up losing the tiebreaker, but um, we had a pretty successful season for a club of that kind of standing. 
How'd you do? I led the league in scoring that year. Um, shot like one of my career year from three, like 48%. And kind of found the love of basketball again, to be honest, because we were just, it was me and that point guard, Alec, just having, I don't know. It was really fun to go out there and just compete with other teams that, you know, were the big budget teams or whatever it may be and kind of just go out as two Americans and, and compete. Isn't it so different? You're like, your whole world's different when you, when basketball is fun, when you like basketball. Oh, way different. I needed that because Poland and Bosnia kind of like made me question that. And then not playing for you really made me question that. Um, so it was nice to kind of find that love again. Yeah. I, I told the story, I think on the last pod, I was supposed to be an Israeli and I was playing on a team that my agent owned. We were training in Italy, going to play in St. Petersburg, Russia. It was a weird deal. And I flew to Israel to get my passport and the Israeli agent screwed up. He didn't tell me what I was supposed to say. So like, oh. I get to the front oh, of the line man. and they're like, where, where do you live? And I was like, I live in Varese, Italy. They're like, you cannot get your passport. You have to live here. You must live here for a year. Like if I just had a fake address, I would have got the passport and been straight. Anyway, so now they're like scrambling. They had me go try out for a team in Ashdod, which again, kind of same thing, like hadn't slept, hadn't eaten. I think my basketball career is coming to an end because I'm not going to get passport, you know? And then I go and just try and practice so my mind is, you know, you just can't do it. Like I'm not yeah. good enough to do all that shit. Like I'm probably pretty yeah. good. And I didn't have to be in a perfect headspace, but not in that headspace. Anyway, I just remember being in the car ride. I was, I was supposed to fly out that day. I was, they put me up in some hotel. It was a nice hotel in Jerusalem. And I remember just being there just like, is this it? Like I've done this yeah. my whole life. Is this it? Yeah. So I totally understand that. And then obviously when you get back to playing, uh, for me, it wasn't until my second year, I was my third year, I was filling in France. And I was like, God, I, I love this. This is, I could totally yeah. do this forever. Um, so you get done with that season. Now what's the conversation with your agent like? Hey, it was pumped for me because I had a good year. And I think, honestly, they were, they didn't expect, I don't think my club expected me to be as successful as I was. So like they even, like they even brought a guy in that, that was supposed to be the starting shooting guard. And I, I kind of took his position in some ways. So um, the end of the season agent was pumped. Cause he's like, yeah, we're going to find you a better job and we'll get you in a different situation. And you know, you can actually make some money and start saving um, and hopefully be on a team that wins. I think that was the other part that was tough was we still didn't like have a winning record. We were kind of like right around 500, which was my entire USD experience was yeah. right there at 500. Um, so now the thought was either I go try to make it out in that German league or Italian league had some, some good opportunities, but uh, one of the teams that went down from ACB was kind of the next um, team to offer me and seemed like the best situation. What team? Real Betis. Where's Betis? Sevilla, which was an amazing city. Yeah, describe it. It's a Southern city. So finally having like a warmer climate, which for a California kid was what I needed. Um, and about 1.3 million, I think is like the total population there, right around one. I don't, I don't really remember. So finally a bigger city, which, you know, as an American, it's kind of nice to feel that like when you're not just isolated, um, there's people outside and whatnot, warm climate, food was good. Um, and then the basketball situation that you were finally on a professional club. It felt like, I think my first three years, I was just kind of on like clubs that played basketball, but like basketball wasn't a priority or they didn't do things professionally or even at the collegiate level, like it wasn't even like that good. So finally had a club that kind of did things the right way and took care of the players and helped out. And some of like the 
off the court stuff. So, um, that was a really good, uh, experience. Uh, what was the coach like? He was a, I enjoyed him. He was a game manager or not a game manager. He was a, a culture manager. He, he didn't seem like he was like the biggest X's and O's guys because the way that they had created this team was, um, 12 good players. And really it was a good, two good point guards, two shooting guards, two threes. And then they had six bigs where they would figure out who to play depending on foul trouble. But each of the two point guards was going to play 20 minutes. Each of the two, two guards was going to play 20 minutes and each of the two threes was going to play 20 minutes. So I knew I was either playing the first and the third or the second and the fourth pretty much every game. So that was kind of weird. I've never, kind of I've never heard of such a thing. No, I've seen some European teams do that. And it's like, they don't like playing guys 30 minutes a game. If you have, well, to I, I know that, but, but, but playing, but, but setting up exactly when you're going to play, not based upon the game is bizarre. Oh, so that was bizarre to me too. Um, but in some ways it was nice because at least mentally I knew like what to prepare for. Um, and from that standpoint, I never had any issues with him. Uh, I had one teammate who didn't, I really liked him. I had a good relationship with him. Um, and he was a, a, a easy coach to play for and practice was challenging and intense, but for us, like we were the the favorite of the, of the league. And so we, we practiced probably harder than we played and it showed because we went 30 and four and we're like six games above the second best team in that league. Yeah. You're a first division team playing in the second division, right? So it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was that like experience like for you where it's not the perfect setup, but at least like winning now. <laughs> oh, winning, a long was, time since you won. winning was like, uh, not an addiction, but it was like something that I just like, I needed because it felt so good. Um, we won 17 in a row, like broke a league record. Um, and that was just such a fun ride to be on, um, that, and we'll get, I'm sure you'll get to it later that when I, when I ended up losing again, I was losing again, it, it like made me question everything again. So, uh, winning was an important thing for me to like recognize what I value in, in making decisions about my basketball future. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to play on winning teams now. Um, yeah. um, okay. So, that team goes to first division the next year. What do you do? So this is where this is like, I love that club. And I will still say that's probably my favorite year I've had as a professional. Um, but I did, I do think they did me a little dirty. Um, one of my things is I don't have an, I don't have a passport. So I'm a thoroughbred American, if you will. Um, and so for some reason in Europe, they, they count that against you because they got these rules where you can only have so many Americans per team, which to me is, hilarious because if that was a rule anywhere else, I feel like that'd be talked about as like not cool or whatever. Um, but it's a thing out here. Um, so I tried to find a passport in the summer because the club told me like, look, if you get a passport, it pretty much assures your spot. If not, we're still thinking about keeping you because the coach really wanted to keep me. I had a really good relationship with the coach. Um, but the GM, I don't think the GM really thought I could play at the first division level. So they said, look, we have till June 30th to cut you or to keep you. And, uh, we'll let you know. So I head home for about a month and it got to June 30th and I hadn't heard a thing. It's like, man, these guys are keeping me. Like I'm going to be playing first division, Spain, one of the best leagues in the world. Like this is exciting. I just remember like looking at my phone at 2 AM and it was a tweet from Real Betty saying that they cut the contract. And then like 10 minutes later, a text message from my agent saying, yeah, they cut the contract. And I was like, man, I couldn't get a call from the GM or anybody just to like, let me know. Hey, we're going a different direction or like, 
you know, thanks for helping us get back to first division. But like we found a two guard who's what we're looking for. Like, I understand that's a business, but I thought I deserved a little bit better than a, a tweet to tell me I, I'll be having to find a new job. So how did you find a new job? That was when my agent went to work and the team that went down from ACB the following year came pretty hard with it with, a, with an opportunity, like made me a priority on their team. Um, and I was back in Spain and I knew it would be a winning situation again. Um, it wasn't too late in the summer where I'm sure I could have found a job in, in Germany or, or Italy, but I was kind of growing comfortable with the Spanish league. And I felt like this was a city that I really would like. It was San Sebastian. And I was like, man, that'd be a fun city to live in. It's close to the water. Um, I've heard great things. So I kind of jumped on that. So what, uh, what was San Sebastian like? Oh, beautiful city. Uh, it's smaller than Sevilla, but it's, it's like, uh, I don't know. It has so much charm and not a ton of history, but it just seems like it is because it's got some really cool old buildings, a very affluent city because Basque country in general is just kind of a, a more wealthy area of Spain. Um, very clean. And they would, I think a lot of Spanish people would say it's one of the best culinary cities in all of Spain. So the food's really, really good. So it was nice having teammates from the area who knew, to, who knew where to take you to the right spots and get you a good steak or good fish, whatever it may be. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, all of the office stuff, I met, I met a really cool family that were missionaries out there that were Americans. So like made me kind of feel like I was at home as well. Um, so I really like loved my time there. Um, okay. So how did you get to Estudiantes? So we went, we technically won the league with GBC, the team in San Sebastian. COVID cut it short. I got to go up with them to ACB since we went up the following year. Um, and we stunk. We won seven games, lost 29. So that's what I was telling earlier. Like that losing just puts you in a bad mental space. And, and, and so, during COVID, is this also during the COVID year? Right after the COVID year. So like the last season I played, no fans the entire season, no visitors for nine months. Um, and you're losing. And we're losing a lot. And like coach was, this was one of the tougher coaches that I've had to play for. Like good relationship but off the court, on the court was tough. Um, and he got into it with a lot of guys. So just a dysfunctional environment and club and culture all the way around. And so I told my agent I wanted out of Spain because of this experience. Um, but Estudiantes came with a really strong offer. It was Madrid. I just got married. And the German league is kind of struggling with budget stuff because they depend upon ticket sales. And there's no ticket sales during COVID. So, like, a lot of the teams are down. Um, and the Italian league really hadn't picked up on, on the interest level. And I was like, look, this is probably the best offer I'm going to get. It's Madrid. I don't really want to go back to second division but this club is a fantastic club. Um, and it's in my opinion, probably one of the best cities in all Europe. So talk to my wife and we agree that like, this would be a, a fantastic first year of marriage. So went here. Uh, how'd, how'd you meet her? We met on uh dating app. Really? Marriage. Yeah. When? Right. 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 When COVID started, right when I came home. Oh, so you came home, you came home, you're on Europe, but you're on lockdown. You were violating lockdown. lockdown for this relationship? I violated. I went to a beach and walked with her for about a month. And we did four, four beach walk month dates. And then things started to open up a little bit again. And uh, we continued the relationship for, I think, five months before I had to head back overseas. We did nine months long distance. And I was like, look, I love this girl. I'm 28. I, 
I know what I want. And I proposed as soon as I got home. How has she, how she been on the travel on being away? I mean, cause you know, when you're away, you're away. And I know it's yeah. more connected now than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, but you're still, you're not in America, no matter how much you like nope. it. How's she been with it? Nope. She's learning. It's a process because at first, like my first few trips, she was just stayed in the, in the house all day. And she's not that type of person. She needs to be outside. She needs to be out in the sun, but she doesn't just know how to get around. She doesn't know what's like, she doesn't realize how much safer it is in Europe or specifically in Spain, I should say, than other places in, in the United States. So it's kind of cool to see her now. Like she kind of understands how the Metro works so she can get around the city. If she wants to go to the beautiful park here in Madrid or Tiro park, she can go there when I'm gone. Um, she found a church that she went to on one of my other road games when I had a game on a Sunday. Um, and so it's kind of fun to watch her. Cause she's not, she hasn't really been out of San Diego much. So she's like kind of learning this whole new travel side and, and how to operate on her, on her own in a different, different country. Are you putting money away? Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you're beautiful done. about the, that's what's beautiful about playing. I think over here is it's all after tax and they pay for the apartment, the car, and, uh, and the utilities. So like what I make is purely savings. So what is, so your plan is put it up, put as much away as you can play as long as you can. And then what? That's a great question. Um, we actually have taken a, I've done this the last two years, but I'm one year at a time. So I have a two year contract here. So I will obviously, um, uphold that, but, um, we'll evaluate at the end of each season, whether it's, it makes sense for us to continue doing this or if it's time to, to move on and, and, you know, for me to find a, a job in the real world, which I don't really know where I want to go with it. I think I love basketball so much that it'd be hard to be away from the game. So coaching training, um, I mean, university the development. Is like the cradle of NBA coaches, right? I know. It's, I know. It's really so there's some connections. It really is. It's, it's <laughs> a really cool sports illustrated article came out a few years ago. Um, and it's cool. Yeah. And then of course you got your connection with Nick, which, which puts you mm -hmm. in that kind of basketball family. That that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, shooting, you're an incredible shooter. Uh, what do you look at? What's your target? My dad always taught me to look at the back of the rim, you know, that little slit in the rim. Mm -hmm. It's funny having talked to Steve and Nick, they both are look at the ball guys. Um, and so, for me, I think at times I look at the back of the rim, but I think it's just really natural to look at the ball and then to trust the feel. Um, so I think I've kind of transitioned into that almost subconsciously because it's, it's very natural. What is, I feel like everybody has, even the best have some, something about their shot that they're constantly having to monitor. Like I can't do this. I, if I do that, this will get kind of screwed up or I have this one kind of flaw that I, I probably wouldn't tell anybody about because just in my brain, what's your, yep. what's your thing? What's your thing? Easy. My, my left hand, my left hand can get a little twitchy or your thumb. Know, if you look your thumb, no, or, it's, or, when I finish, I finish like this a lot of times. And so it's weird because I don't shoot it. Like I don't actually flick it. Just my hand does that. But because I do this, sometimes the thumb does come in and it kicks it a little right. Um, but honestly, more than anything, I think it's, it's the wrist flexibility. Cause if you have, I think I injured it once that sometimes I don't cock it all the way. And so when it, when it, when it gets just here, it's really easy for me to push my shot rather than to get it here and be able to roll that. Most threes you've ever had in a game. I think Adult league games don't count. 
Oh man, that would have been different. Um, <laughs> college was eight. I want to say pro was the same. Okay, so who is the the pro was against who? Pro was against. It was my first year in Spain, and it was against the team that was that won the league that year. It was against the best team in that league. What's that feeling like? Oh, it was awesome. It was a road game too. So I mean, I think I had, I think I had six of them. No, five of them in the first quarter. I think I had seventeen in the first quarter. So I was, I was eating up the the kind of road. I like being on the road. I don't know. It was, it was yeah. a fun environment. Um, it's interesting because it's one of those deals. I always felt like first quarter is a great way to steal points. Like his dudes totally. are just not ready. They're just not like you can, I was a guy who couldn't shoot. So you get a layup here, layup there, whatever, just kind of get some, get some points going. If you were really ready to play. Um, and overseas kind of much the same, right. Where guys are just yeah. kind of slugging it out, going through the motions. You can get an open shot here or there. It's, it usually comes in the first quarter. And I felt like most of my coaches always the first play of the game, they would run it for me. And it was always like not a play that we practiced a ton. So it wasn't like you could have scouted it. It was kind of a new one. It was like a quick hitter. And so I felt like I was going to get an open look to start the game, no matter what. And I, I love that feeling. Um, okay. Steph or clay better shooter. Steph. Sure. There was no hesitation there. Steph's the greatest shooter ever. Um, Clay's obviously probably the second best greatest shooter ever. Um, but what Steph does from a range standpoint off the dribble, how does he do it? How does, how does he do the range? I don't understand. I don't understand it either. And Dame's doing it now too. So it's, it's like incredible that two of them are doing that. Um, but I mean, I can watch him and his highlights any day of the week. It's, it's fun to watch Nick cause Nick uh, rebounds from a bunch. And I always see the golden state warriors, uh, tweeting out highlights. And so it's fun to watch him get to rebound for him. I, I literally, I texted him last year about when he made 117, like what was the, what was the environment? What, what were you doing? Like, were you, like on eggshells cause you didn't want to jinx it. Like, what was that like? And he said, it was a spiritual experience because nobody said the thing. It was just a rhythm thing where I got it out the net. I kicked it to the guy passing to him and it was 117 in a row. 117 threes in a row. Crazy. That's the craziest stuff. I'm, I'm like, yeah. that's obscene. Yeah. Like just yeah. one time you get one that rattles out, you know, like I know. you don't for 117. That, you know, that machine they had at the Olympics. I don't think that can make 117 in a row. No. Yeah. Robot looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So the eight in college were against who? Maine. I want to say. Home or road? Home. I was a freshman. Never, never broke that record again. I thought I'd break it again, but I always wanted to make 10, but this never happened. Eight, eight is a, eight is a lot. Eight is that's, that's, a, that's, a, I think that's I was a, like eight for 14 that game too. I remember thinking like, I missed some good looks. So I was pretty disappointed actually. <laughs> You're eight or 14. You're yeah. like, I missed some good looks. Everybody else is like, that's the greatest shooting performance I've ever seen. <laughs> that's some great looks that I did. And, and, and if this guy wasn't so selfish, I would have gotten five more looks. I would have made four more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So close your eyes and picture yourself in 10 years. Where are you? What are you doing? I think I'm, I'm training high school kids, maybe the occasional middle school kid as well. Um, probably have two kids of my own. My wife's working as an occupational therapist at a elementary school. And ideally we're still in California. Um, your, your maintenance, do you, are you a big stretcher now? Do you do yoga now? Do yeah. you do big ice stuff? Yeah. I think that was something that 
I'm, I'm thankful I went to a college where that stuff was like available and, and I, I wish I would have done more of it. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a much bigger on taking care of my body, stretching before bed, stretching when I get up, um, I put my feet or full body in an ice bath after every practice. Um, I try to do something with the physio guy out here at least once a week. And then I would say when we do weight room, which is two to three times a week, I'm always there 25 minutes early to do some type of mobility work, whether that's, um, strength or just like passive stretching, just so I can get warmed up that way. And then obviously do something as well before practice, because I can't anymore. I'm only 28. I can't imagine what I'll be like 32. Um, I can't just walk down the steps to practice and be ready to go. Like it takes me a good warm up to be ready. Um, okay. So are you a morning practice? Just call, are you a coffee guy now? Um, not yet. Is, not yet. I have a, I've always thought I've had like a good amount of energy and I go to bed fairly early. So I'm up by seven or eight o'clock. And so we practice at 11 out here and it's perfect for me. So I'm ready. To, I'm generally ready to go. Um, you're, you're, no coffee needed. Your pregame routine. Okay. Games at pre games at seven. Let's just say, okay. okay. Games at seven. What's your, give me your, give me your day. Home game has never changed. Um, I will like to be at the gym two hours before the game. So if the game's at seven, I'm probably waking up at eight, eight thirty, a good breakfast. Um, but more importantly, it's for me is like just a good lunch of like chicken veggies, maybe, um, a potato in there. I don't know. Um, and then I'm at the gym two hours before the game. It's been like clockwork since I was a freshman in, in college. And so, First thing I do is I get like a good 25 minute workout in a shooting workout. Um, and it's kind of been the same to be honest for the last few years where I know what shots I want to warm up with and what shots I think I'm getting in a game. And so I kind of mimic those after I do that, I go to the weight room and I just do some mobility work to make sure like my hips are feeling like active, strong and whatnot. Hamstrings are alive and maybe a little bit of ankle mobility so that I can like plant and move. And then I like to read the Bible about an hour before the game. And then generally out here, they want to start like the team warm up, if you will, 50 minutes, 48 minutes before the game. So I got about 10 minutes to just chill, rest, kind of get my mind right. I like to sit on the bench, watch my teammates warm up and then get ready for the team warm up. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, Owen oh, Two Door Cinema Club. Do you always read the same uh, version of the Bible? Same passage. Yeah. Which one? Colossians 3. What's it say? It's just about the overall chapter, just about kind of everything that you do, doing not for the approval of man, but for, you know, the approval of God. So for me, it's a reminder that, look, I'm not playing for myself out there. I got a team to compete with, and I got a, a, a God that I believe I'm an ambassador for. And so I want to represent him well and not be a, I don't know, an egotistic maniac, but also at the same time, be very competitive because I believe God's given me a, a spirit of competitiveness to go out there and compete. So for me, it's a perspective thing. Um, you get done home game. What, what then what's, what's your routine? Well, that's a good one. Um, it's gonna be interesting because I've never had a wife to come home to, so I'm sure that'll change now, but normally I love when we play on Sunday. Cause I mean, I got to come home and watch American football. Um, but yeah, I, I'd normally come home and chill because like, you sometimes after a, uh, a game where you you normally have a shoot around in the morning anyways. So after a full day of sports, you're like, your body's just wrecked. So I always try to find like a good movie or a good, a good, good something to watch and have dinner and, and go to bed and hopefully have a nice off day. Favorite movie. Oh, that's such a tough question. I know. Let's just talk about this. Uh, gladiators up there. And then obviously I, I love like, this is, very millennial of me, but the dark Knight or dark Knight rises are two of my favorites. So, I mean, he's as a director, I mean, he's so good. Uh, Chris, yeah. uh, Nolan, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. So good. It's like one of the things that pains me for my, my son, my son's 12. I'm like, dude, we got to watch the, we got to watch the Christopher Nolan Batman. It's like, I don't like Batman. Dad, it's like none of the Batman. He doesn't, he hasn't watched it. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah. Because the Dark Knight is unbelievable, movie, and that performance by Heath Ledger is unbelievable. Yeah, it's really, really good. Maybe I'll watch it with him this this weekend. We have some, we have some. I just got him to where now he's watching full sporting events. So because you know they all watch. That's got to be fun. Yeah, it's it's really it's very 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 cool. Um, uh, okay, one thing about marriage you did not know until you got married. I did not know that women have hair go all over the place like in the shower or on the floor. So that's been everywhere and everywhere. It's incredible. And I'm blonde. So even if it happened to me, like you just wouldn't see it, but she's got brown hair. So I'm picking it up all the time now. 
did she have what did she have any idea who you were anything about your story like you like i'm a basketball player like you're six foot white dude from san diego sharia yeah. uh, yeah. like with her her family what was that what were those conversations like this was weird so i played in an all-star game my senior year of high school mm-hmm. and i actually beat her ex-boyfriend of the time oh. i know small world so she was at the game the all-star game um and we didn't put this together until obviously later um but she she actually had heard of my name, but we did not know each other um, until so you beat her. We got matched, and now you took his girl. I mean, yeah, I know. And that <laughs> that guy's got you on the list somewhere. Somewhere there's yeah, some guy chain smoking cigarettes. He's got Johnny B <laughs> out there, and he's just he's got you on the list. Oh, that's funny. And you're gonna run into him at a bar, you know? We run into him at a picnic with kids or something years later. Man, I always hated you, and now you're kind of a good guy. Which is funny because I always thought he was a cool guy. I always considered him somewhat of a not a friend because we weren't like he was East County and I was North County. But like, if I ever saw him, I'd be, oh, I remember you. Like, what's up, bro? But I don't know how he feels about me now. <laughs> um, how, where does the belief in self come from? Like, look, if we're honest, you were walk on college. I know you got a scholarship. Whatever, you had one offer. Mm-hmm. But there was it never never felt like in talking to you or in watching you that there was a uh, this wasn't what I was meant to be or meant to do. And part of it probably comes from you had success early, so you didn't have to question yourself. But I think you know confidence, not arrogance, but confidence is such a huge key to this entire thing. Where does that come from? Especially with shooting, I think too, because uh, it's just so easy to lose that. And I think that's why I like golf so much because it tests your confidence as a person. Um, I would say it comes from my faith because for me, it allows me to not think about maybe the consequences of a bad game or the consequences of missed shot, because I truly believe that regardless of what happens, that I've been given this opportunity for a reason and that, um, things will work out one way or the other. And that, you know, I'm, I've been given a skill set to where it'll, it'll, it'll eventually work out. So I don't need to doubt myself or doubt the opportunity and I can just go out there and enjoy and uh, try my very, very best. And if it doesn't work out, then we find, you know, something else to do. Um, and I would also say that I think my parents instilled that confidence in me from a very early age because they've always believed in me and they've always um, supported me. Um, my dad's been a fantastic, I would say fantastic father to have, especially in sports, because it was never about how I played. It was, it was more about, you know, did I go out there and compete? Did I go out there and do the best I can had nothing to do with numbers or anything like that. He didn't care about any of that. I remember the only time he ever said anything negative about my performance was my, when I played like a, a summer league game, he said, Hey, if you're going to go out there and, and not play hard, let me know ahead of time. So I don't come watch that. And that stuck with me. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to disappoint my father again by, you know, giving a half effort game when I don't feel like it matters when really I should be grateful for the opportunity to play. Um, and so I'm, I am thankful for, for kind of having a father and a family that helped me with that. And then the confidence since. Awesome. Oh, listen, I've taken up way too much of your time. I really appreciate you joining me. I can't wait to follow your season. I like to check back in, in the season. Nobody does. It's right. Like guys play overseas and all we do is like, we, we just kind of track it at end of career. Um, yeah. I think it's fascinating. It's a, it's like a professional lifestyle that so many dream of going through, but don't know what it's actually like. I really, really appreciate everything you're sharing. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. This has been, has been awesome.
All right. And then the next time you get back in town, I'm, I'm recovering from an ACL. I'm an old, I'm an old man. Now. I never got hurt <laughs> playing. And I was playing golf at Aviara. Um, Beautiful yeah, course. Yeah. Great. And so a buddy of mine's texting me. He's like, Hey man, we only got four tonight. Can you come hoop? And they're not very good. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I'm driving back. I only played nine because it was backed up. It wasn't that much fun. I want to get to this game. So I, uh, I just like calling and texting buddies. Like I didn't want to be one. I didn't want to get hurt. And I, I play, but you know, the big thing when you get older is like, don't play heavier than your playing weight. That's when you get hurt. I was, it was like probably seven, eight pounds heavier than my playing weight, uh, in good shape, but not like when I played. And then I didn't want to play the whole time. And plus you're playing with guys that aren't, I just wanted one other dude who's good. And I had like three buddies like, ah, maybe, nah, I can't do it. So I show up. It's like a 6.30 game. I come to my house. I use the doctor dish. I get like, get a hundred up, you know, because again. Oh, warm it up, baby. Yeah. You, you don't want to look like a clown out there. <laughs> so I'm playing, I'm playing good and can kind of control on things. We get to the second half and it's getting a little more competitive with like pick me up at half court and I drive past this guy. And I like jump, like came in the lane instead of doing what like the kids do now where you sweep low or go over sweep high. Like I kind of like power jump to the middle and like all of a sudden I felt my knee rip and I'd never been hurt. I knew it right away. Anyway, my point is by the time you get back, I'll be capable of passing to you. (laughs) I can't play in a pickup game with you, but we'll do, we'll, we'll break bread that way. Is that cool? All right. That'd be great. I'd love that. All right. Have a great year. And uh, take you. care of you, take care of that wife, and thanks so much. For I will. Yeah, safe recovery as well. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. All right. See ya. My thanks to Johnny. My thanks to you. A reminder: check out the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, three to six Eastern, twelve to three Pacific. You can download that as a podcast as well, or listen to it on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, FoxSportsRadio.com, or SiriusXM two seventeen two zero three. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Hope you enjoyed this. Is all ball. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.